ऑडियो हॉप पॉडकास्ट दिस इज द विस्की एडवाइजर शो ऑन दिस शो वी सैंपल सम फाइन विस्कीज शेयर इंटरेस्टिंग टेल्स एंड ट्रिविया एंड आंसर योर मोस्ट इंपॉर्टेंट क्वेश्चन अबाउट विस्की एंड नाउ हेयर्स योर होस्ट द विस्की एडवाइजर उदय बालाजी Hello everyone. Welcome back to the Whiskey Advisor show. For the past few weeks we've looked at some stellar Indian single malts. But now we're off to Scotland for a few weeks. We'll be looking at various iconic Scotch whiskey brands, talking about their stories, tasting their core expressions, and also sharing a few personal stories and recommendations. Before that though, we'll need to get a bit geeky again and talk about Scotch whiskey history and Scotch regions. Joining me again is the whiskey rook Piyush. Hi Uday, glad to be here. Uh, in episode one, I remember you spoke briefly about how whiskey originated in Scotland, uh, but I feel you know there's much deeper story about how Scotch whiskey became so popular. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong. In in fact, today uh, it's considered to be the gold standard for whiskies. It certainly is. It's definitely the most uh, sold whiskey in the world. Uh, we don't know don't really know where whiskey originated but we'll talk about how it originated in scotland mm-hmm. right um so let me take you back in history and we'll slowly figure out how it happened if you remember in episode 1 we talked about the earliest record 1494 yeah we talked about friar john cor and how we had 500 kilos of uh, malt to make aquavit yeah, yeah, yeah. right so that aquavit was made by these friars and you know back in the early 1500s it was not just considered an alcoholic drink it was considered to have curative properties you know it was seen as a medicine it could do magic make you strong and you can see this thread also in different parts of history where alcohol was like the magic cure you know mm-hmm. uh and that was the case here as well and uh, at the time the king was king james the 4th and he used to dabble in alchemy and the medical sciences and uh, he decided to give the monopoly in manufacture of whiskey to edinburgh's guild of surgeon barbers surgeon barbers surgeon barbers yeah so you know what does that even mean yeah so uh, barbers back in the day were not just you know cutting hair and shaving right uh, so they used to do a lot of like minor surgeries and uh, they used to give out medicines they it was like a one stop shop for everything from a haircut to surgery that's you know? incredible uh and uh, also you know when you've seen you've seen these barber shop poles yeah right yeah um so it'll be red and white typically but in some cases red white and blue so the red stands for blood the white stands for bandages and the blue some people say that it stands for uh, the practice of bloodletting it's quite ridiculous in this day and age but you know back in the day uh, this practice was uh, kind of the norm so what will happen is you'll go to the barber and he'll make a cut in your body and let the blood out so it says that you're letting the bad blood out and curing the person that sounds very gross though yeah some gruesome stuff but it used to happen back in the day we're jumping ahead to uh, 1644 and many years to come the scottish par- parliament 
saw a lot of uh, money in whiskey so progressively they started to tax and tax and tax and what happens when you tax people start evading the tax mm-hmm. so all the production of whiskey started going underground okay and bootlegging became the norm you know why would you pay such high taxes where your business is not viable anymore and what is happening all illegal whiskey production was going down so much that the taxes eventually were not being collected adequately okay right and the scots are just became becoming more and more creative and if you been to the highlands you should go to the highlands uh, if any of you have been to the highlands you'll know that it's a pretty rugged country imagine trying to get around there without the roads it's just not happening so they used to find nooks so they can go hide the stills get away from the excisemen there used to be signals uh, that you know the neighbors would put up when there was an exciseman in the territory so people would quickly dismantle their stills and put them away mm-hmm. so all this kind of started to uh, kind of dwindle down after the 1823 excise act okay so let me tell you a little bit about this excise act and the background of it uh, so there were a lot of landlords at the time who were leasing out their properties to farmers mm-hmm. and these farmers of the guys were distilling okay one such landlord was the duke of gordon and he wanted to legalize this entire process and increase the production of uh, this whiskey so that he would profit from it in a big way so he pushed through this uh, bill in the house of lords and made whiskey legal so basically what it said was whoever had a still could go and register it and not get into trouble for it and whatever they had to pay was a function of how much volume they uh, produced which is a quite a fair uh, way to go about things so this started in 1823 uh, yeah and this was right bang in the middle of the industrial revolution so not only was it legalized they could industrialize it they okay. could do it on a larger scale they could use a steam engine if you go to a lot of the old distilleries at water mills now they didn't need water mills they could use engines for it so there was a large increase in scale so apart from this there were three major events that made scotch whiskey go from that kind of cottage industry that it was to this behemoth that it is now so what were these events so the first one was an irish exciseman coming mm-hmm. to scotland okay the second was a little insect coming from north america mm-hmm. and the third one was an act that was passed in the usa okay now right? you know all these seem completely unrelated to scotch i mean how did they make a difference i'll tell you so first we'll start with that irish exciseman so in the 1830s the dominant force in the world was irish whiskey mm-hmm. so ireland at its peak was producing more of more than 70% of the world's whiskey okay but this was all pot still distilled whiskey in 1830s this guy anis coffee who was an irish exciseman took a distillation apparatus called the stain still it was it was actually invented by a person by the name of robert stein he took the robert stein still and then he modified it into his version of a still called the coffee still okay so what is the still why is it so special right 
So we talked about the production of whiskey, why you take whiskey, you put it in the wash still, you heat it and then put it in the spirit still and then you do your heads, hearts, you know, all that. It's a laborious process. And then what you need to do is after every batch, you need to empty the still, clean it and then do the next batch. Labor is expensive. Time is expensive. So eventually a product is also expensive. But it, this was different. This column still, continuous still, patent still, coffee still, the same principle has different variations and different names. Mm -hmm. So this one, what you do is, it is high volume. You can run it 24 bar 7, 365, never have to stop it. And you keep tapping very high ABV alcohol okay. on a regular basis, right? And... Uh, the downside with this is you get a very light flavored spirit. So what the Irish distillers at the time said was, we are making such fantastic whiskeys. Take this, uh, you know, they call it a silent spirit. Get this away from us. So what did he do? He went to Scotland. And the Scots are more open to be, uh, you know, innovative. They didn't really, uh, you know, they were not the name that they were now. So they could effort to innovate. So they adopted this. So what came out of this column still was green whiskey. And this green whiskey could be made so fast and it was light. And this was what, like, for example, American market really wanted, a lighter style of whiskey. So they had this, they mixed it with a malt whiskey and came up with what we know as blended scotch whiskey. Okay. So high volume, right taste, conquered the market. So that was the first reason. The Irish excisemen. Yeah. Now, the second reason was a little insect from North America. What could a little insect possibly do that could, you know, benefit an entire whiskey market? So, this insect was called the phylloxera beetle. It's basically a louse mm -hmm. that came from North America and somehow landed up in France. Okay. Long journey, yeah. Yeah. Um, now, these, at the time, the... British aristocracy and most of the, you know, the aristocracy across Europe was uh, drinking, you know, cognac, French brandy, wine. That was what the people at class uh, had at their tables. Unfortunately, this bug loved to eat the roots of those very wines that came okay. up with the wine that was made into the brandy and the cognac and the wine, obviously. 70% of French vineyards were decimated by this bug. So what did that mean? A massive shortage of all these products that these rich people absolutely loved. Scotsmen are really entrepreneurial, saw the gap, filled the gap with their whiskies. high quality whiskies. So that little bug turned out to be a huge bit of good fortune for the Scots. So that's the second reason. That's the second one. And then the third one was in 1919, the American Parliament passed the Wallstead Act, or as we know it, American Prohibition. So this is one of the nails in the coffin for Irish whiskey because their exports to um, the US were completely stopped. Secondly, you had people like, uh, you know, Lafroy, who got creative in their... Um, you know, exports to the US. And you had a lot of bootleggers who were sourcing whiskey from Scotland, taking it through Mexico and the Caribbean and Canada and getting it into the US. So 
more than it being a big fillip for the scotch whisky industry it was a big problem for one of the big competitors so it was a huge advantage at the end so those three reasons really really pushed scotch whisky to the forefront of whisky as we see it today we hope you've enjoyed the episode so far but before we go ahead here's a word from our partner enjoying this podcast you can also catch this and 200 plus such podcasts on karva 2.0 with bbc india film companion open mic poetry satguru isha foundation indian classical renditions by the greatest maestros stories rhymes and gk for your kids oh and did we mention the 5000 preloaded songs and 100 plus unique playlists every day to know more go to www.saregama.com now and we're back let's continue yeah so you know there's one interesting thing which i you know happened to read uh, recently which uh, says that uh, john dewar and john walker were pioneers of whiskey trade so you know i've always wondered how did they contribute to the growth of scotch whiskey so there were a whole bunch of uh, entrepreneurs actually back then you know there was uh, obviously the dewars there were the walkers there were the buchanans there a whole lot of families uh for dewars for example there were john and tommy who were the brothers who ended up uh, building the business uh tommy particularly traveled across the world setting up agents even back then at the end of the 1800s the walkers they were just grocers you know and uh, over time they were just very innovative they came up with that square bottle which could be transported easier had less breakage they came up with that label at an angle which really you know stood out it had more legible print it could be seen in shops these are really small things but what these gentlemen did was they built the world's first brands really mm, okay so amazing entrepreneurs and with their vision they were not only thinking about building a market in scotland they were looking to take over the world yeah that is so it's not just you know a beetle or an exciseman or some technology that made the difference it was a people behind it that used it to its fullest okay so you know uh, talking about that i also suppose that any discussion involving uh, uh, you know scotch whiskey would have also have to include various regions in scotland like you mentioned in the uh, you know at the start of the episode absolutely um so regions of scotland this is a, a little bit of a controversial topic these days because uh, they had a lot more relevance back in the day in terms of uh, each region had its own distinctive styles but with technology improving with uh, transport not being an issue with large conglomerates owning distilleries these have kind of um, so each these styles of kind of you know they're not as rigid as they used to be you know so you see different styles overlapping in different regions but it's a good thing to talk about the regions to get an idea of what the classic styles are you know you're just building a foundation from where you go and start seeing okay these are the exceptions to a space side style or like an isla style or whatever it is so we'll just start off with just quickly naming the regions the regions are on the lowlands mm-hmm. space side okay highlands isla and campbelltown okay we'll just start off with the lowlands uh so this is the southernmost region of scotland 
and uh, you know if you think edinburgh glasgow and south it's that region so here you get like a light delicate grassy kind of flavor uh, and um, then so the lowlands the most well known distilleries would be ockentoshan and glenkinchy we'll be talking about glenkinchy in an episode um, in the coming weeks uh, so this is not a very highly populated region but increasingly there are more and more people setting up distilleries there like mm-hmm. gladnock clyde side you're going to be seeing a lot of exciting things coming out and like what i said earlier there are going to be a lot of exceptions to this light delicate grassy profile okay. that i just spoke about mm-hmm. uh so moving on we'll talk about the highlands so within the highlands there is one region which i said space side uh-huh. that has more than 50% of scotch distilleries okay right so it's called space side because these this is a region by the river spey Mm, okay so a lot of your legendary distilleries like glenfiddich glenlivet macallan the balvany all these are in that region it's just a cluster that is formed over time so the reason why it's not part of the highlands is because it's such a tight cluster it has its own region uh, so the profile here would be light soft floral sweet with a kind of a sherryed character also you know these are generalizations like i said as we go along in our episodes i'll start talking about exceptions to the rule as well but when you hear people say you know this is a classic space cider for example it would be you know on that light soft floral sweet little bit of sherryed influence in yeah, there yeah now moving on to highlands so now this is this is like you know when you do a classification and you have almost like uh, i wouldn't say an others but one region where you just add all the others to mm-hmm. that would be the highlands okay so this has the most wide spectrum of flavors you know so you go all the way up to the north of scotland to the west to the east to the you know to the islands you're getting a wide spectrum of taste so it could be dry to fruity it could be salty to peppery it could be floral to peated all over the spectrum you know uh, so even if you just take the islands so if you take the island of orkney up north has two distilleries one is highland park and one is capa they're only like a short drive away from each other island whiskies within the highland region completely different profiles one is peated and heathery as they say in uh, scotland okay. and the other one is very light and slightly maritime you wouldn't think they're from the same region but this is the others and then moving on to isla which is uh, a bit of a cult island so this is an island which has its own region because of the sheer number of distilleries and iconic distilleries down there so your ardbeg lagavulin lafroig bomo all these are from there so since i mentioned those names you already know that you know this is where the peat is yeah. famous yeah so yeah but even there there is a uh, an exception to the pt and medicinal style because you have distilleries like bunahaban that is more famous for its unpeated uh, expressions as well as brookladi which might have the peatiest whiskey in the world but also has a lot of exciting unpeated whiskies and the core range is that mm-hmm. um so 
It's a very interesting mix, but to quickly recap, we'll say the lowlands are light, delicate, and grassy. Speyside is light, soft, floral, and sweet. Highlands are a wide spectrum, like mm-hmm. I said. Isla is very peaty and medicinal. Mm-hmm. In Campbellton, the last one that we're going to be talking about, used to be the epicenter of Scotch whiskey distilling. Okay. Uh, at one point at its peak, there were more than 30 distilleries that were operating there. And it's a very, very small okay. area. And it dwindled down all the way to, I believe, just one distillery. And now they're kind of coming back into prominence with three distilleries currently operating, out of which one distillery makes only like about 20,000 liters a year. Okay. So it's a small region that's coming slowly back into prominence. And I hope there's, you know, some old distilleries there that are revived. We'll talk more about Campbellton when we uh, talk about the Springbank distillery. Yeah, so those are the Scotch whiskey regions for you. Wow, that's the only word that can come to my mind right now. And that was a very heady episode of the Whiskey Advisor. I really, really have learned a lot about the Scotch whiskey today. Thank you so much for this. I'm really glad to hear that, Piyush. You're always welcome. So can we segue into our Q&A session? Yes, please. The first question is from Anurag Shah, aka I am Anurag Shah on Instagram. So his question is, what is meant by 12-year-old and 15-year-old? Does it mean it takes 12 years to be produced? Good question, uh, Anurag. So the age statement that's on a bottle, whether it's 12 or 15 or whatever it is, basically denotes the age of the youngest whiskey in the bottle. So if you've listened to the earlier episodes, we talk about how even uh, your single malts are generally a blend of whiskies from different casks. So in order to listen, so let's say if you take uh, Glenfiddich 12, right? so that is a blend or a vatting of multiple casks from the Glenfiddich distillery. So in order to maintain the 12-year-old uh, flavor profile, they might be blending even 15 and 18-year-old whiskies to achieve it. But the youngest whiskey on the uh, in the blend will dictate what number goes on the bottle. And on to the next question. This is from Sambunath KM, aka Sambu underscore not, not, not seven on Instagram. So his question is, which is the best single malt whiskey in the Indian market? Now, I have to say this is a very difficult question and it's very subjective, right? So I'll only be talking about uh, the whiskeys that I personally prefer. Uh, so what I'd say is, for my taste, as far as Indian whiskies go, uh, the Paul John Selectcast Classic and the Amrut Intermediate Sherry are unbeatable. In Duty Free, the best two values that I see would be the Redbreast 12 and the Ardbeg 10. But if you really want to go high-end and, uh, you know, you want to get like some really high-quality scotches, uh, the Vault based out of Bombay, offers uh, some fantastic whiskies like Springbank, Longrobe, Benromak. They do come with a hefty price tag, but they're excellent whiskies. On to the next question, and this is asked by two people actually on Instagram. This is uh, from Rana underscore now underscore deep and uh, Mikul Kankakra on uh, Insta. So what is the difference between whiskey and scotch? Simple answer, scotch is a type of whiskey. 
not all whiskey is scotch and if you go back to i think it was episode 3 you have the definition of scotch and the different types of scotches uh over time in this uh, podcast we're going to be looking at other types of whiskies whether it's american bourbon irish japanese indian each of these whiskies have their own uh laws in their countries that dictate what it takes to be called a bourbon or an irish whiskey or whatever it is the next question is from uh, mridul kalra aka filmy who yaro on instagram and his question is do you have your own infinity bottle if yes then what all have you blended uh so mridul yes i do have one uh for those who don't know what an infinity bottle is it's basically a bottle where you keep adding small amounts of uh, whiskey from your different uh, bottles that you're drinking at any given time generally the last you know dregs of the bottle go into the infinity bottle to create a blend that's constantly changing um so what i do is i put about 20 ml more or less uh into my bottle and it depends you know if it's very heavily peated or very heavily sherry that tend to put a little less um uh, the idea is to keep the balance so mine has about 30 single malts and blends more or less and a couple of bourbons also um i have to say that this is an experiment so it'll keep changing all the time but it's kind of an interesting uh, blending exercise and it's fun uh not much more is going to come out of the exercise yeah let's finish off with a question from rajni das and her question is i've seen some people drinking whiskey with coke is that okay uh rajni honestly if it's your whiskey you drink it whichever way you want you know ignore the snobbery um a lot of the time heavy mixers are used in particularly when uh, you know the whiskies are not very good and they're a little harsh it's just to kind of mask the harshness in the whiskey that it's used but that said one of the most common drinks with coke across the world is uh, jack and coke uh the way i look at it if it's a really good expensive whiskey I would urge people to uh, try it neat over the little bit of water first and then you know if you don't like it uh, drink it whichever way you want really that would be my uh, take on this cheers uh from next week as we promised at the beginning of the show we'll be looking at various iconic scotch whiskey brands talking about their stories tasting the core expressions and also sharing a few personal stories and recommendations I'm really looking forward to it today and I'm looking forward to seeing all of you next week do tune in for the scotch whiskey episodes of the whiskey advisor in the meantime please send in your questions and comments via email instagram or facebook and we'll answer as many as we can all our handles are at the end of the show till then drink well and drink responsibly cheers cheers if you want to learn more about whiskey and uday's work visit thewhiskeyadvisor.com You can send in your questions to us on uday at thewhiskeyadvisor.com or Instagram or Facebook at thewhiskeyadvisor. That's whiskey without the e. The show was brought to you by Audio Hop Podcasts. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn and Twitter at Audio Hop Podcasts. We'll be back next week. Until then, keep your spirits up and drink responsibly.